I'm Elizabeth Esty for the Emergency Medical Minute. Welcome to another edition of the COVID-19 Digest, the podcast where we give you the numbers and sort through the most pertinent research on COVID. It's April 30th. We are approaching almost two months of social distancing measures in the United States, as more than two dozen states plan to relax restrictions in the coming days and weeks. As of today, there are more than 3.25 million confirmed cases of COVID-19 worldwide, a third of which are in the United States. By Johns Hopkins accounting, 231,415 people have died of COVID worldwide, just over 60,000 of those deaths in the United States. In Colorado, there have been 14,000 some confirmed cases, 2,600 and some hospitalizations, and 766 deaths from COVID. Over 6 million tests for COVID-19 have been conducted nationwide, with a little more than 69,000 conducted to date in Colorado. Last week, we looked at neurologic presentations of COVID-19. This week, we'll look more closely at stroke in young people with COVID. A letter published two days ago in the New England Journal of Medicine presents five case studies of relatively young patients who had strokes at home and presented to Mount Sinai between March 23rd and April 7th. In pre-COVID days, Mount Sinai saw, on average, about three patients under the age of 50 presenting with a stroke every month. So five patients in two weeks represents a seven-fold increase. The authors call this one of the clearest and most profound correlations they've come across. Other centers in the United States are reporting similar increases in young people with few or no risk factors presenting with major strokes. Right now, there are at least three U.S. centers preparing to publish data on the stroke in young people phenomenon. The Mount Sinai patients were 33, 37, 39, 44, and 49 years old. Four of them were men. And while two of them did have diabetes, one had hypertension and hyperlipidemia, only one had a prior history of stroke. Two of these five patients did have a cough, one had a fever, but these patients really did did not have impressive pulmonary presentation. All of them were at home when they experienced sudden onset of symptoms such as slurred speech, confusion, one-sided facial droop, and a dead feeling in one arm. Fear of going to the hospital and catching COVID-19, ironically, delayed care for several of these patients. This is tragic because large vessel occlusions are highly treatable. If you can break up that clot within the first six hours, ideally, or even up to 24 hours, people really can do well. The first case they report was of a 33-year-old woman, in fact, who had hemiplegia, a facial droop, dysarthria, and sensory deficits, but she delayed care for 28 hours out of fear of getting COVID-19. In an interview with the Washington Post, the lead author here, the head of the neuro ICU at Mount Sinai, Thomas Oxley, describes his surprise last month when he saw yet another large vessel occlusion in a young patient. He describes the surreal experience of seeing new clots forming on brain imaging while he's removing the clot causing a patient's stroke. This is a phenomenon that interventional radiologists do occasionally see in patients with some cancers, where clotting cascades and function can be really deranged. In the post-interview, Oxley describes this as just, quote, crazy, unquote. These COVID strokes are the worst sort. They're large vessel occlusions with the potential to stop blood flow to large chunks of brain, resulting in devastating deficits in motor function, speech, executive functions. It all depends, of course, on what area of the brain are downstream from the clot. 
These strokes are a consequence of clotting gone wrong. An article in The Lancet three days ago underscores how complicated the clotting of blood is. It's a delicate balance of circulating proteins, interacting with platelets, other cells, and endothelial lining to allow us to clot when we need to stop the bleeding, but in a normal healthy person, not to clot when we're not bleeding. The authors point out that when the balance between pro-coagulant and anti-coagulant effects is thrown out of whack, as it often is during severe inflammation, patients are predisposed to microthrombosis, DIC, and multi-organ failure. In severe COVID-19, clinicians are increasingly now aware one way this manifests is with dramatically elevated D-dimer concentrations, a lab value signifying widespread blood clotting. So strokes are one devastating way clotting disorders manifest, but there are plenty of other ways to go wrong with clotting. A paper published in Thrombosis Research by Dutch scientists notes that COVID-19 may predispose to clots for all the usual reasons, inflammation, hypoxia, patients who are lying in bed immobile, and in some patients, DIC. These researchers sought to figure out what the incidence, though, of clots in all sorts of COVID patients is. They included strokes, PE, DVTs, MI, and arterial emboli also. The Dutch researchers looked at 184 ICU patients with COVID, all of whom had received standard thromboprophylaxis. I won't give you the full details. Please see the show notes for a link to this study. But a remarkable 31% of these patients had a thrombotic complication, with PE being the most common. The authors, not surprisingly, recommend that all ICU patients with COVID receive more aggressive anticoagulation. Of course, many people will just die suddenly of strokes and PEs. In fact, these clots may, in part, account for the quadrupling of sudden death at home that the New York City Health Department reported at the peak of the epidemic. Without autopsy results, we just won't know. Interestingly, reports from Langone Medical Center and Thomas Jefferson University Hospital Systems are finding that patients are having blood clots not just in the arteries to the brain, but also in the veins of the brain. Both centers are also finding that they're coming across a surprising number of patients with more than one large vessel occlusion who have COVID. Unfortunately, we just don't know how to predict which young healthy patients with COVID are predisposed to stroke. The five patients in the New England Journal letter didn't have particularly bad COVID pneumonia. They really presented with disordered thrombosis. In these patients, the organ system most dramatically affected was hematologic, not pulmonary. At this point, we don't even know if SARS-CoV-2 is directly affecting the lining of blood vessels or the complex biochemistry of clotting factors in the blood, or if the patient's overactive immune response is primarily or in part behind these clotting problems. We don't know if it's significant that four out of five of these patients were men, though we do have some strong indications that female patients do fare a little better with COVID than males do. We do know with some surety that this phenomenon is real but not a thing about what anticoagulation and or antiplatelet approaches might be effective or protective or who needs protecting. I'd like to wrap up by reminding our non-medical listeners of the acronym FAST. You can use this acronym F-A-S-T to remember and recognize the signs and symptoms of stroke. F is for facial drooping. Ask a person to smile and see if one side of the face droops. A is for arm weakness. Ask the person to raise both arms. S is for speech difficulty. And finally, T is for time matters. Call 911 immediately if you are with someone who's having any of these sudden onset symptoms. And though it doesn't fit into the FAST acronym, it's worth reminding everyone that posterior circulation strokes will cause sudden onset of dizziness, loss of balance, or coordination, and these should also prompt a call to 911. 
Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to Nate Novotny for his research on this piece. Thank you.